0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard on the day Scottish football unites in grief at the passing of one of its ultimate greats Celtic's legendary captain and manager Billy McNeil passes away at the age of 79 after battle with illness I'm Gordon Duncan and joining me tonight to pay tribute to the first Brit to ever lift the European Cup is Gordon DL and Hugh Keevans A spinner of dreams, a writer of fairy tales Billy McNeil was that man for Celtic and the Celtic supporters there may have been greater players to play for Celtic, but there has never been and there will never be a greater Celtic man than Big Billy. He announced the arrival of the modern-day Celtic when his goal won the Scottish Cup against Dunfermline in 1965. He won the European Cup. He led Celtic to nine in a row. He won a centenary year double as manager. He manipulated history to suit Celtic's demands. He made the word legend hopelessly inadequate. Now he can rest in peace Yeah, I was uh, a man that I once called Gaffer, Gordon um, I was very fortunate in my career that um, When Billy moved down to Manchester City He came up and signed me from Rangers uh, It was terrific to work under um, The manager that found me the most Out of every manager I've <laughs> ever worked under And deservedly so And uh, you know, the way he treated me when I was at Manchester City was absolutely fantastic. Just a pure football guy and a sad, sad day. Yeah, well, you can take that up with Frank McAvenny because I think Frank <laughs> might be top of the find list. There was nothing quite like the sight of Frank arriving by helicopter on the Monday morning from training, hot-footing it from London where he'd been for the weekend. But he, he, Frank McAvenny, loved Billy McNeil and he, Frank McAvenny, scored the goal that won the centenary year double with 10 seconds of the game to go against Dundee United. That's why I say Billy McNeil had this extraordinary ability to bend history to suit what Celtic required. 0141-951-1025. That is the number you need. We're on Twitter at Clyde SSB. Let's hear your memories, your stories, your tributes to the great man, Hugh Keevans. What I think everyone realises is the, the size of the reaction is yeah. because not only have you got the footballer, yeah. But you've got the man as well And the achievements in both departments Unsurpassed Yeah He was Celtic You know Jock Steen uh, Took Celtic out of the, the wilderness years And gave them unparalleled success But Billy was his lieutenant He was his general on the park And he truly loved Celtic His father was a military man Billy was born in his granny's house in Bells Hill The, the grandparents were of Lithuanian extraction And Billy could have played for Lithuania Not Scotland believe it or not But his father was a military man Frequently away With the Black Watch And it was Billy's auntie Grace Who took him to Celtic Park for the first time And gave him this Unending love for Celtic So he in turn Loved the supporters of the club And this season's Scottish Cup final The tournament where Billy won his first trophy As Celtic captain The tournament Where Billy beat Airdrie in 75 And announced his retirement From football That tournament That man This season's Scottish Cup final Is on May 25 The most significant date In Celtic's history For the Celtic supporters This is Unquestionably 
the Billy McNeil final. I mean, Gordon, you just need to take a look around already at the tributes pouring in mm. everywhere, every news outlet on social media from fans of all clubs all across the globe. That gives you some idea of the size of the man that's been lost today. Yeah, and it's a very, very sad day for everyone concerned, Gordon. And um, Billy McNeil was more than just a football man. Uh, when I arrived at Manchester City, him and his wife Liz, they worked tirelessly to make sure that I was settled in, looked after. The one thing I will say about him was I hated working under him on a Friday morning <laughs> because he would get his boots on and he would have a Scotland v England game. And let me tell you, we played there every Saturday morning to make sure he won. And if you weren't playing well and you were in the Scotland team with him, you were getting roasted. I used to hate a Friday morning with him. But uh, I lived not that far from him. And even after my career had finished and I was into management, he was always there, always seen him in the shopping centre. He would always have a chat with you, asking you how things were going, can you give you any advice? He was just a great, great man. Yeah, Hugh, I mean, a, a career so vast, a personality so big, it, it's kind of tough to know where to start and how to try and cover it off in any sort of order whatsoever. Yeah. Um, what about personally for you? What, what, what did he mean to you personally? And perhaps take us back to the first time you met him. I started in newspapers in January 5, 1970. It'll be 50 years come next January. On January 6th, 1970, I was told to go out and interview Billy McNeil outside Celtic Park's front door. I thought they were off their head. This man, two and a half years earlier, had won the European Cup, the first Briton ever to hold the European Cup aloft. He came out, he asked me what my name was, how long I'd been doing the job, and... I told him the truth, 24 hours. And he gave me as much time and as much respect as he would have given the top football writer in the country at that time. And I never forgot him for that reason. And it started uh, a decades-long friendship with Billy, uh, which was my pleasure and privilege. 0141-951-1025 Let's speak to Paul in Kirkintillock Hi Paul Hi, how are you doing? How are you doing, Connor? Not too bad, Paul uh, Just uh, about the sad fasting of Billy McNeil today The real kind of icon of the club When you see his image of holding up the European Cup That's just everything kind of Every Celtic captain should aspire to be uh, I've got a wee story about when I met him uh, and at the Celtic Convention about 22 years ago, uh, I had been to New York for a few days prior to it, uh, and I had got to the convention. I uh, had the cow nervous with me, but I had been subjected to too much sun. Uh, Benadorm and Magaluf had didn't prepare me for this, this last legacy. So uh, when we got there, we were lucky enough to uh, the company I was with were at a reception in the Lisbon Lines. Uh, I had had enough for the heat, and I, I took myself to the side, and I just sat to the side, uh, just keep my head down basically to get through it, because I had sunstroke, and I felt a tap on my shoulder, <coughs> and it was telling me, Neil, uh, he must have sat next to me for about an hour. Not talking about football or anything, just making sure that I was okay. Uh, and I'm thinking, I said, Tell him, Neil, come up to me. Uh, he just 
and he just and he would come up to you over the course of the night, but just a real awe about him and a real real gentleman. Yeah, that was Billy entirely. I went to uh, Seville in 2003, UEFA Cup final, Celtic and Porto, and purely by chance, uh, I had the aisle seat, Billy was in the middle, and Liz, his wife, had the window seat. And we had a great trip over to Seville, and then he got to the hotel where the, the media were staying. Now, to be with Billy McNeil in Seville, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, you know, you were just walking beside this iconic figure Constantly surrounded by Celtic supporters And then Night before the game My son and my son-in-law Turned up at the hotel And my son was quite used to Football players about the house Because of the job that his dad did But I said to Billy Billy this is my son-in-law Martin And Martin Had an involuntary bow As he shook his hands And I said you can go up now Martin Uh, And I said to Billy What's it like Being an icon He said Makes you old So he didn't court Celebrity He just was Billy McNeil The top man for Celtic uh, And everyone loved him For that I mean Gordon You always hear this about, I think Paul sort of alluded to it as well About guys having An aura And it's not mm. really something You can describe It's just something you feel When when you're in their presence Is that is that a fair description? Oh yeah um, He was the same As I say I was at Manchester City With him Gordon And just the way he walked about the place um, every Monday I seem to he, he, I think he liked me Because he always wanted to speak to me On a Monday morning in his office <laughs> And it usually cost me a couple of pounds Let me say And uh, I was always so glad to get out of that office Because one thing is Billy, um, as much as you're a big gentle di- giant He will certainly let you know When you're misbehaving But uh, no, it was everything about him And he would always take time And that's the thing that always stuck in the back of my mind When I went down to England I was a young lad, I got a bit homesick and he just took time, him and his family, to try and make sure that you settled in and gave yourself the best possible uh, possible chance. He was a terrific man, a real terrific guy. Paul, what did that mean to you, that encounter? Because like you say, you know, the fact that that's the, the great man coming over to you, small talking for as long as you like, you've clearly held on to that memory forever. What, what did it mean to you? Well, I probably didn't appreciate it. Uh, being kind of so young, but it's it's when you think about when you think back in it uh, about how I mean he is a a real legend. Uh, it's a fairy tale story, and if you were to show if, it, if there was any players coming in who were thinking about maybe signing for the club or not, and they weren't purely money motivated, I mean surely Billy McNeil's story must. If that doesn't, if that doesn't turn your hand to uh, thinking about going to the club and becoming a hero, I don't think anything will. But you, you, you get a statue outside a ground, Paul, for one reason, and that's because you are truly a legendary figure. John Gregg has won outside Ibrooks, and Billy has won outside Celtic Park, and never did two men deserve it more. Uh, so you know, he. You mentioned the word fairy tale. Billy always said there was a fairy tale aspect attached to Celtic and no one deserved to use that expression more than Billy because he wrote most of the fairy tales. You know, the, the, he was the captain for nine in a row. He was the first Briton to lift the European Cup. He went to Celtic to replace Jockstein. Who'd like to take that one? Who'd like to follow that particular act? Billy did it 
And he won the, the league title In dramatic fashion In his first season So Billy wrote the fairy tales Now of course He leaves behind a, a heartbroken family Heartbroken fans Tens Hundreds of thousands of them Many admirers From out with the club as well But let's not forget The teammates We've been speaking to Bertie Ald Here's what he had to say The Lions were the Lions That was a family And uh, It's all You know Do you know something Billy's been ill for a couple of years and such like and I got a phone call this morning from Jim Craig and I says hello Kenny how is Evan do you know it's the first time in a long time that I didn't expect what Jim Craig says he says Bert Billy passed away today and I promise you it was like someone hit me with a 14 pound hammer do you know what I mean because he was, he was a fight. he was a very very great fighter and this, this illness is coming more and more into the front with people, with individuals and such like. And I promise you, I, I didn't expect it. And yet I should have. I can only thank the supporters that at all times always asked how is Billy. I can only thank his wife who, well, I promise you, she's been magnificent and the family. What, what's your... Curious. Very caring. Yeah. What's your best memory of Billy? You spent a lot of time with him, but what's the one thing that sticks out the most for you? He was the most miserable. He never put his hand in his pocket. It was always his round, and he says about turn. That was the order he gave the waitress. It was him and John Clark. Honestly, you never knew what they were going up to. They were, but they were great fun. And I've to tell you one thing was for sure: he was Celtic through and through. When he wanted to, he could be a, a, a naughty man. He wasn't along and putting your plane if you were messing about in that part. He was one to score 20, you know, just 19. And that was the type of captain he was. But he was, he was a beautiful guy. And, and, and honestly, he loved life. And he ad- adored what he achieved. And everybody else adored it with him. The Lions were magnificent rascals. They could party and they could play. And Billy would party and... Sorry Bertie But Billy did put his hand in his pocket I remember going to the European Championship With Scotland and Sweden And I was in my hotel room Writing some stuff for the paper And the phone call came Shuey, what are you doing? He said I'm in a, I'm in a pub with, with wee Strachan So we went down Or I went down uh, And Sweden You know the cost of a pint in Sweden <laughs> uh, Fantastic But Billy liked to socialise they, the Lions, were unique. They were the best team ever to have represented Celtic. But as I say, they were magnificent rascals. They could party and they could play. Paul is in Helensburg. Hi, Paul. Hello, Gordon. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, uh, first and foremost, sincere condolences to Liz and her family. Uh, two memories. The first one was the 65 Cup final, which was... Uh, Given my delay, but I was still at school when they scored that goal. Another one was the goal that I maintained that won the European Cup. The header against Boj Medina in the quarterfinals. You know that uh, that was just my two memories. Yeah, the thing about Billy, very simple. The ball would come over, Billy would head it clear from danger, or at the other end of the park, the ball would come over, Billy would head it in the other team's net. So he defended. The Extremely well throughout that European Cup run And he scored vital goals In that European Cup run And that's why he deservedly 
stood alone in the Estadio Nacional with the European Cup above his head because he had done an awful lot to take Celtic there. What's astonishing now, Hugh and Gordon and I were talking, having a chat about it, was in the modern day game, if you play something like 400 games, four, 500 games, you're thinking, what a career. Uh-huh. If you look at Billy McNeil, and not in those days, Football was football Yeah Your tackling was tackling And you're right Heading the ball And going in 50-50 tackles And to play so many games yeah. For Celtic Is incredible Just shows you what a leader a man was 822 appearances for Celtic <laughs> 822 that, that is incredible to think about that Yeah uh, And especially And if you look at today's game And people talk about four, five hundred games And then you've got a guy who's won Every single thing with Celtic And a leader, statue, everything And you can't say enough about the guy I was, As I say, I was very, very fortunate I was in his company for a long time And Every day we'd come in and, and Bertie Old, I was listening to Bertie there talking about, you know, Billy loved Celtic. Even at Manchester City, it was a standing joke because we had a few ex-Rangers players there. Big Billy would come in and hold court. Yeah. He would be talking about we Jimmy, Jimmy Johnston and Bertie and the Lisbon line. And it was Celtic story after Celtic story and me used to run out the door. <laughs> <laughs> the luckiest thing that happened to Celtic, because Billy signed in 1957... And from 57 until 65, Celtic didn't win a trophy. But the luckiest thing that happened was that whenever Billy's mind did turn to thoughts of maybe I should leave and get a more successful club, Jockstein came in. And within weeks of Jockstein coming in, the Scottish Cup had been won, Billy had scored the winning goal, and life was never the same again. Paul, how do you look back on that goal in 65 then? Because at the time you're not realising it You're just happy, you're a school kid You're happy with the goal But perhaps not realising how significant that was to be For what then came after uh, At the time we didn't realise it was significant But hindsight's a wonderful thing Because that was the one that got the ball rolling And uh, you know, it was brilliant And uh, we Bertie scored the, the other two goals as well you know, uh, it was wonderful. If I could, uh, I remember rhyming off the team to a friend today of the 65 Cup final. Um, and it was Stevie Chalmers outside right and John Hughes at centre forward. And uh, Bertie all the outside left and stuff like that. And it was not far off to the Lisbon team they had out that day. You know, that was. Yeah, that was it. That was the whole story. Jockstein came in, uh, 65. Celtic had won nothing for nearly eight years. And within two years, he won the European Cup. 0141-951-1025. Thank you to Paul and Helens, but I keep those memories. Your tributes coming in. We could do this until midnight, I would imagine, because so many great stories. So let's have them. And we're going to hear from another former teammate in John Clark after the travel with Amber. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Great results for Scottish accident and injury victims for 40 years. Hugh Evans and Gordon DL are here. Keep your tributes, your memories, your stories pouring in after the sad passing of Billy McNeil. We're on Twitter. Martin McLaughlin says, I'm taking time to explain to my six-year-old daughter what we're listening to on Clyde SSB. Our greatest leader and captain, importantly, why we will take time out at Paradise on Saturday to be silent before the game. Then we'll sing our hearts out. 
Uh, and Anthony says I met Billy a couple of times Once at a Lisbon Lions dinner After winning a competition I was stood in the corner A bit shy as the Lions caught up with each other Billy saw me and came over To make sure I was okay and have a chat He was a true gent And he was Celtic Absolutely No other words f- fit the man uh, He loved Celtic That wasn't to say Gordon That he didn't have his fallouts with Celtic There were One or two along the way And one of them led to him going down to England To manage Manchester City And Aston Villa So He Sometimes fell out with Chairmen Or directors But He never fell out with Celtic The institution That was always the thing closest to his heart People People come and go in a club's history The institution remains I mean Gordon You know what the the madness The rivalry is like Mm. in this city Imagine being such a a player, such a character, where you, you transcend all that stuff. I mean, that's that's what you're seeing today. Absolutely nothing but outpouring of of grief, of sadness, tributes from all across the Scottish football landscape, and that clearly speaks volumes. Well, it shows you the strength of the 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 man he is, Gordon. He's brought football. He's united it today together. Everybody with the sadness of losing someone like Billy McNeil. What he's uh, achieved in Scottish football and for his beloved Celtic. Um, Hugh spoke there about, I knew his character. He was a very strong character. But I always thought of Billy as very fair. Mm. He would give you a fair crack at the whip. He would sit down, have a heart to heart with you. And then he would make his mind up. But he was always very, very fair. And um, as I said, Gordon, it was a great privilege that I can stand here and say, a man of that stature... Took time out to sign me in my football career I know you're going to let us hear from John Clark Gordon And once we've heard from John Clark I'll tell you a story about Billy McNeil That will show you the measure of the man 0141 Tony's in Blackpool Hi Tony Hi good evening Gordon <clears throat> Hi gents thanks for taking my call um, Firstly just like everyone else I'd like to pass on my condolences Killers and all the family It's such a sad time But it's also a happy time Because there are so many wonderful memories um, I was very lucky I worked alone in Blackpool now I worked at Celtic Park In corporate hospitality For nearly 20 years And I had the wonderful privilege um, I looked after Phoenix Honda In the Skybox And uh, Billy hosted our, our box For about three years So for those three seasons I watched every home game with Billy And spent three hours um, Before each game Chatting away to him, obviously doing my work as well, but but talking to him and you know it was just it was just absolutely amazing. And I used to always tell him how my <clears throat> my older brother was actually at Lisbon for the European Cup final, but I wasn't born yet. And it was just before we were playing Benfica in the Champions League when the club were taking the Lisbon Lions um, to the game in Lisbon. And I had obviously said to Billy, "God, it would be great to sort of see you over there." And he said to me, Tony, when we go to the stadium, I'll give you a phone and let you know when we're going. Um, and sure enough, I was at the ground, the Stadio Nacional, on the day that we were actually playing uh, Benfica. We were there early in the morning and I was stood with a group of fans. And of course, my phone started ringing and, you know, it came up Caesar on, on my phone. And I said to the boys there, hold on a second, guys, it's Billy McNeil on the phone. And of course, they were all killing themselves laughing. But their faces were a picture when I started talking to him and he was saying to me, right, Tony, we're on my way to the ground now and we'll be there within the next 15, 20 minutes. And sure enough, you know, there, there the Lisbon Lions arrived and I got my picture taken with him on the pitch 
um, at the Estadio Nacional that day. And that's, you know, that's one of the greatest days. Certainly as a Celtic fan, that's one of the greatest memories I have. And just to touch on something, in, in the box when, when I worked there, I mean, we had very, very wealthy, successful, um, you know, very accomplished businessmen coming to every game. And they were all at wee kids when they met Billy. Uh, because for most of them, he was one of their main heroes. And the wonderful, one of the wonderful gifts that he had, every fan that spoke to him, he spoke to you like he was your pal. And he made you feel like he was your pal and you were his pal. And it was a wonderful gift he had. And I remember telling my brother that, that that's the way he was. And my brother just said, well, gods are like that, aren't they? And there's no really any better way to sum them up. Billy was called Caesar, but it wasn't. After Julius Caesar Billy was called Caesar After Caesar Romero Who was a, a Well-known actor Who appeared in uh, Ocean's Eleven With Frank Sinatra And all the uh, Dean Martins of this world uh, And Caesar Romero was a A smoothie And Big Billy was a smoothie You know the, the you know, Bertie used to talk about Being in the tunnel uh, In the Estadio Nacional And the, the, the Inter Milan players All uh, very handsome, big Italian men, and there was wee Jinky and Bertie and wee Lemon, and you know. Uh, but Billy was the captain, and Caesar because he was Caesar Romero, big smoothie. Is that, is that part of it? I'm not saying small people can't have a you know a, a stature, but that that must have been part of it, Hugh. When you see the big, the strapping man and the the sort of personality to match. That, that seems to me From someone who Didn't have the same experiences As you did Is to Have added to that Yeah You know When Bertie had a wee look At the, the Italian players uh, He thought Do you know what We'll just need to bring them down To size a wee bit here uh, Billy took care of himself He was the captain But That's why Bertie started Singing the Celtic song And we Jinky joined in And Bobby Murdoch And Bobby Lennox And, and the Italians Looked at them As if they say What? What is going on? This is the European Cup final. So, you know, just to show that you might be taller than us and uh, good-looking blokes, uh, we're here because we can play. The one thing you I will say, and it stuck my mind for years and years, when he came, when he came out onto the, the, the training field, the shoulders were back. He, was, yeah. he just looked huge, like, I'm in total control of this. And he strutted about like he was, yeah. he was a man. And he was... But when you went into his office and he was sitting in his chair behind his desk, it was it was incredible. I always remember it because he, he, he kept sliding down the chair, and all of a sudden, this six foot plus guy, you couldn't you couldn't see over the desk at him, <laughs> and you were actually leaning over it. And I don't know if he, he was doing it deliberately just to upset you. Uh, we already heard from Bertie Old. Thank you to Tony, a Celtic fan in Blackpool. Some great memories there from Tony. Let's hear from John Clark. A sad day really for for everyone, like, but his family mostly, his wife and his, ch- his children and his grandchildren. Your thoughts go with him, and uh, also it's a big sad day for Celtic Football Club and the support because it was held in the highest level you could ever. It was a person, a personality, you know, and he uh, was a great ambassador for Celtic, and uh, he'll be sadly missed and. Uh, You'll miss his company now, you know. What's your favourite memory of him? Um, the favourite memory of him is uh, the photograph of him with the cup in Lisbon. You'll not get a better photograph than that as a, a captain of any team with a cup because 
his name goes along with it, Caesar, and he's standing there on his own, you know. So they things are always in your mind, and uh, you'll miss his company now, you know. And uh, it's a sad day, but his family are the more important ones nowadays, and that's the thing you think about, you know. What do you think, you know, the support's been like here today from all the fans? Ah, it's great. It's really, you know, Celtic supporters are never let you down, but, you know, they're always there, and uh, I think come Saturday here, it'll be something special, you know. Now I'll tell you a story. In 1983, Manchester City became interested in Billy McNeil as Celtic manager. It was... Not at Billy McNeil's request He did not go touting himself for the job But Peter Swales, the Manchester City chairman Had observed what he was doing at Celtic Park And when the vacancy arose He thought of Billy McNeil The Celtic chairman at that time was Desmond White Now this story came out At the same time as Billy found out That he was the sixth The sixth Highest paid manager in Scotland This was the manager of Celtic he wasn't even in the top three so he went, Billy, uh, after a, an exchange of words with Desmond White, he went to meet Peter Swales down south, came back up and said to Peter, uh, to uh, Desmond, uh, you know, this is the situation, Manchester City want me. Now, Desmond White then said to Billy McNeil, whose salary at that time, I understand, was £15,000 a year, he then said that we will raise your salary to £25,000 a year on one condition. You get rid of John Clark. Now, Billy McNeil rated John Clark very highly. Billy McNeil and John Clark formed a magnificent defensive partnership for Celtic all the way to the European Cup final in Lisbon. Billy and John were Lisbon Lions. And he said to the club... If you want me to get rid of John Clark, I'm not doing it. And he left to manage Manchester City. Let's speak to John and Wisher. Hi, John. Hello there, lads. Um, I would just like to back up what Hugh was saying um, regarding Billy, how much a gentleman he was. I've got a wee story, obviously, way back. Um, it was a way back uh, when he became the manager of Man City. And I remember a time that myself and my, my friends we decided we wanted to go down to Main Road, obviously, at that time. He's, Obviously, big Billy, like you know, being the manager of Man City, and they were playing Charlton that day. And basically, what happened was, um, <coughs> I'm from Craignook, Musher, and with a library in Craignook, and my friend, who's deceased now, obviously, he's passed away, um, Big Pat, God rest him. And basically, what happened was, I went in the community centre in Craignook, and I said to Pat, I said, Do you fancy maybe you can do it in Main Road and see if we can uh, get tickets for Big Billy to go and see Man City playing Charlton? He says, Aye, I says, Well, Pat, I says, think you could use your phone for the community centre. So Big Pat says, I use the phone. So the next thing is, I used the phone, I phoned Main Road, and believe it or not, I couldn't believe it. I used the phone, and I got through, and it was a receptionist. I said, excuse me, I said, I want it as possible, please, I could uh, speak to Big Billy. And the, the lady says, what? I says, Big Billy McNeil. She says, all right. I says, he went to the same school as, um, and my little lady's high. I says, it was just to see if we can get some tickets. Maybe four of my friends could do and see Manchester City playing Charlton. She says, hold on, I'll, I'll put you through, see if he's in. So sure as good, goodness, Big Billy's at the other end of the phone. And I says to Big Billy, hi Billy, I says, I wonder if it's possible you could maybe get us some tickets for um, Manchester City, they obviously were playing Charlton that day. Uh, he says, I ain't bother, he says, I mean, he's wanting to come down. 
I says, uh, four years. He says, that'll be no problem. He says, just what to do is, he says, when you're down the main road, be doing kind of sharpish. He says, when you come down, just ask for me at the front door. So basically the place had been busy that day and supporters gathering and the, the, the barriers were up and all this and the commissioner guy and people moved the barriers to let me and my other friends in. And the next thing is, we goes in, we goes in the main doors and um, the next thing was, the guy had taken us into the, the dressing room. But your big Billy, and this is no kidding, was in the shower, having a shower. And the next thing was, the, the guy had said to him, that's your four friends, Billy, uh, from Wisher, uh, down. He says, oh, tell him I'm in the shower, but I'll be out in five minutes. So the next thing was, big Billy came out, obviously with shorts on the towel, getting dried. And he says, listen, lads, he says, no problem. He says, there are four tickets for the day. He says, and enjoy the game. He says, I hope you have a great time. He says, and furthermore, lads, he says, there are four passes. It was a Man City um, social club that evening. He says, there are four passes for you to get into the Man City social club in the evening and have a good night out in, in, in behalf of me. He says, and the, the group that's on that night was a group called away back then, was the, the Dooleys. And what a night we had. <laughs> and Man City went out. Fantastic. And I would just like to, my condolences to the family and everybody else. Big Billy Brilliant. was Big Billy. I love that, Hugh. That the, the notion that you could just call it and say Pep there. Can, yeah. can, we, just, can we just have a word? Yeah, that's the, that's the difference now uh, with the modern day football man. You would never that that would that story will never happen now no. because you will not get near managers. You but must Billy have been McNeil, a nightmare for him though. So oh, oh, I'm oh, thinking, was, what was the what was the worst? What what time did you push him to the edge of his patience the most? Um, one, I told him a lie. Um, one one weekend. I was always coming back to Scotland, Gordon. And now when you look back, I was young and I was homesick. And Billy knew I was homesick. So he kept on to me saying, look, stay down, keep staying down. Eventually you'll get used to it. So I went to him one day. I think we were playing Leeds, Ellen Road. And I says, Gaffer, look, I need to go up the road. Do you, do you mind? He went, you're going up the road. He says, guaranteed you're going up the road. You'll be back Monday morning. I says, I'll be back Monday morning. No problem, on you go. But at that time, Gordon, I was a little bit of a rascal, as you call it. Um, I had three females waiting outside Ellen Road in a car <laughs> waiting to take me into Manchester because I was going for a night out, right? So this time you weren't going to Scotland, but no, you told them you no, were because you were I, homesick, I, right? Yeah, because I I, what I wanted to do was go, you ha always had to go home in the team bus. Back to mm -hmm. so I had the three females waiting. We we're going into Manchester. We're going to have a wee night out. Fantastic, great. So I sort of told this wee lie. So anyway, cut a long story short. We're in the car. We're heading down towards Manchester. We're on the motorway. We're talking where we're going to the go. Opposite direction from Scotland. <laughs> opposite direction from Scotland. And then this is what the man was like. You just knew there's something not right here. I'm sitting in the back seat of the car behind the driver. And I just happened to look round to my right-hand side and the Manchester City team bus <laughs> had come right up beside the car and Billy, right, now, know how as you go on a team bus you have to go up the three, mm -hmm. three stairs first. Yeah. He's down the bottom of the three stairs and he's looking right on my eye level and I turn round and I look and I just see him staring Right at me Oh See Monday morning I have never Had a bigger roasting And I never come back up To Scotland for months after that <laughs> On that note Let's take a breather And we'll get more of your tributes next 
Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors, a team that gets results every week. Talk to Thompson's.com. Gordon DL and Hugh Keevens are here. Keep the calls coming in and give us a tweet at Clyde SSB. Colin Doyle says, I won't forget the time I went to Dalmahoy Golf Club, nine year old, to see the Celtic team. They were there playing golf. Billy bought me chips and then he kept <laughs> pinching them off my plate. He made sure I was looked after by the players and ensured they gave me their attention. Uh, and Bill says, as an 11 year old in Drumchapel since 1966, I was lucky enough to be presented with my first cup medal by Billy McNeil. When he heard my name was Billy O'Neill, he said maybe I might be like him one day and play for Celtic. A special memory. Yeah, well, lots of fans will come on tonight and share those special memories. What to remember about Billy, first and foremost, uh, the greatest ever Celtic captain, high achievement, high accomplishment. Uh, and when I say that the final for the Celtic fans on the 25th of May against Hearts should be the Billy McNeil final, if anyone replies by saying, putting a bit of pressure on players, then good. Because look at the pressure Billy McNeil worked under. Celtic hadn't won a trophy for eight years when he scored the winning goal in the cup final. Celtic hadn't won the league for years. He took them to the league the following season. No British team had ever won the European Cup. He took Celtic to that the season after that. No one had ever won nine league titles in a row. Billy McNeil captained Celtic to all nine of them before he hung up his boots. So don't talk to me about pressure. Billy McNeil lived with it every day of his professional life and made an outstanding success of it. Do you think it was something he thrived on? Yeah, it was just, you know, Gordon touched upon it earlier on. Billy's chest was always puffed out. As I say, he fell out with people at Celtic, but he never fell out with Celtic. Celtic was a cherished institution in his eyes. People were just passing through the club's history and he always worked his best for Celtic on and off the park as player and manager and what a job he made of it. Yeah, I mean, one of the callers earlier mentioned the image you know, it's, it's the iconic one with yeah. the, the, the big trophy above his head in Lisbon. How do you even begin to do justice to how iconic that that moment is and then that image? Everybody has seen it. Let's be honest. Every single person who's listening to this show yeah. has seen that picture. Do you know, Gordon, it, it's a bigger moment in retrospect than it was at the time because you're talking about black and white television on the 25th of May 1967. People were watching the European Cup final in black and white television and the concept of Celtic as European Cup winners was almost too absurd for words because prior to Jock Steen's arrival they amounted to very little. You know, they, they beat Rangers in 1957 7-1 in the League Cup final and thereafter amounted to very little until Jock Steen got there. So the concept of them as European champions grew and grew and grew because with all passing anniversaries and then of course the 50th anniversary and the the great tributes that the Celtic fans paid in the 67th minute of every game with the benefit of hindsight you could actually appreciate what it meant in 1967 it was you know certainly mm. a big deal but it wasn't as big as it became with the benefit of hindsight was Billy wouldn't make me one of those Players, Gordon, and I appreciate the time. Your time frame is slightly off from Hughes, but the, I expect him to have been a big deal to the Celtic fans. That that goes without saying. But to everyone else, was he still a, a player of such a level of such a stature that you managed to find that appreciation? 
Yeah, and the one thing I will, I will say about him as well, Gordon, every time that he used to sit and tell you the stories, he loved talking about Celtic. He was a leader, uh, everything about him. In those days, we called these guys number fives. He wasn't a fancy player. He just defended, and he defended with his life, him and uh, John Clark. And when he was talking about the Lisbon Lions, when he was talking about Celtic, the one thing I always noticed when he was having a chat Unlike myself, if I scored a goal, I would be telling everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, he never spoke about himself. He just had the love for, like, say, uh, Bertie and and Wee Jinky and and people like Bobby Lennox, and he would tell great stories about them. And it was just full of praise for these guys because that was his family. Jeffrey's a Rangers fan on the line. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi. Um, I would just like to say. My condolences to the fa- to the McNeil family. Um, it's a sad day when a legend like that goes the way he went. Um, I have a memory. I used to help with a, an amateur football team. Um, I don't know if you or Gordon remember that you used to have a pub team uh, called McNeil's Bar. Yes, indeed, yeah. Well, my brother used to play for a for a, an amateur football team, and occasionally he came to the to the games, and it was just amazing to see him standing on the touchline, managing his team, um, and that's basically. It. And he, he, um, I just hope every football club in Scotland um, just unite for this one day, maybe the next couple of days up to the weekend. Unite to um, respect Billy McNeil for what he's done for Scottish football. Yeah, Jeffrey, I'll say this to you: Billy McNeil loved Celtic and loved the institution that was Celtic, but he didn't hate Rangers. He respected Rangers. He respected John Gregg. The two of them were the opposing captains in Glasgow, and I know how John Gregg will be feeling today, and he'll be feeling profoundly sad. I remember going to Glasgow University with John and Billy when they were receiving honorary doctorates. Uh, and I thought, yeah, this is absolutely fitting. Here are the two top men, great captains, the greatest captains of Celtic and Rangers, managed Celtic and Rangers and had the deepest mutual respect for one another. So Billy loved Celtic and the institution, but that didn't mean to say that he hated anybody else. And the, the Jeffrey stories there is, is great, Hugh, in particular. Just maybe f- f- from the younger perspective here of the idea that a European Cup winning captain mm. would be kicking about at a pub game. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you just imagine what that sounds like well, for a you know for for a younger football fan. Yeah, I, well, I go back to Seville in two thousand and three when you walk into a hotel that is almost like an optical illusion in the bright sunshine. The bright Spanish sunshine And everybody Everybody Has got on a green and white hoop jersey It's almost like an optical illusion And then you walk round the corner Trailing your case behind you With Billy McNeil You should see what happens then Beat the pundit With goals in the Scottish sun The SPFL and EPL Latest every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday Okay, let's take a breather and play Beat the Pundit. Hugh Evans is back for more. He was on last night. He's back for more. Gordon DL is here as well. The pundits have been having an absolute mare. 
Six of the last seven Or is it five of the last six Five of the last six matches Have gone the way of the listeners You've got them on the ropes So tonight it's 01419511025 You against Hugh or Gordon Be quick because the lines close at seven o'clock Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Win the compensation you deserve Talk to Thompson's.com Hugh Keevans and Gordon DL are here It's a sad day for Scottish football The sad passing of Celtic legendary captain and manager Billy McNeil Your tributes have been fantastic So keep them coming in on the phones and on Twitter Plenty more to come from Gordon and Hugh as well It is one of those days Everything else pales in significance Let's be honest But We have a game We've got Andrew McLean At a game uh, Involving Air United And Partick Thistle We'll touch on that later on Let's speak to Gary though Because he's going to play This for us tonight Beat the pundit With goals In the Scottish Sun The SPFL And EPL Latest Every Monday Wednesday And Saturday Yes beat the pundit time Gary's in the gorbels Hi Gary how you doing guys? Loving the show tonight All the stories at Big Billy Yeah thank you Gary um, It's a miserable time though for the pundits Gary And beat the pundit Because they're having an absolute mare Five out of the last six have gone to the listeners Can you rub salt into the wounds? I hope so But I mean um, I've not had any hope that It might be a lucky night tonight well, Hugh's no. been a bit distracted today, <laughs> well, I think But we'll, we'll, we'll see how you get on We're thinking of changing the name of the contest to Why don't you beat the pundit? <laughs> right <laughs> Okay, don't Let's see who you're up against anyway Heads is Hugh Keevans And tails is Gordon DL You didn't play last night, did you, anyway? No, it was That's Alec fine. Ray I don't feel so bad then Okay You're playing tonight though Heads, oh. it's you against Gary from the Gorbals So let me give you some Clyde 2 in your ear Make sure you're not listening to what Gary's saying No cheating to be done on this Gary, you've got 30 seconds Head to head, you can pass here is your chance to beat the pundit. You ready? Yeah, go for it. David Gray and who else have signed new contracts at Hibs? McGregor. Who is the current manager of Clyde? Pass. Which former Rangers player is the uncle of Aberdeen's Lewis Ferguson? Barry. Name one team with Rangers in their name in the Highland League. Berwick. Who are the current kit makers for Aberdeen? Pass. Which current Premiership manager played for Bristol City and Exeter before joining Airdrie? Um, Ian Murray Who's the head coach of Scotland's under 21s? Gemmo uh, Okay, let's bring Hugh Keevans back uh, Hugh, can you hear me? I can You can, same set of questions to you, you ready? I am David Gray, and who else have signed new contracts at Hibs? Darren McGregor Who is the current manager of Clyde? Danny Lennon Which former Rangers player is the uncle of Aberdeen's Lewis Ferguson? Barry Ferguson Name one team with Rangers in their name in the Highland League Cove Rangers who are the current kit makers for Aberdeen? Hummel. Which current Premiership manager played for Bristol City and Exeter City before joining Airdrie? Pass. And who is the current head coach of Scotland's under-21s? Scott Gamble. What do you think of the competition tonight, Gary? Might have just put maybe one, and I know I've got, I know exactly he's got one more than me because I know the Highland League one. Ah, oh, see, checking yourself, it always happens. Let's find out how uh, the scores are. David Gray and who else have signed new contracts at Hibs? It's Darren McGregor. You both got it right. Well done. Who is the current manager of Clyde? It's Danny Lennon, your former teammate, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hugh got it. Gary didn't, so it's two oh, one to Hugh Keevans. Barry Ferguson is Lewis's uncle. You both get that three two. Name one team with Rangers in their name in the Highland League. 
Berwick is miles away from the Highlands, Gary. <laughs> I said Cove as soon as And you knew it as soon as you said it. You had Cove or Brora. So Hugh Keevens is on to four. You're still on two. This was a tough question. Which Premiership manager played for Bristol and Exeter before joining Airdrie? I, I got it right away. Did you? Who is it? He's a manager of Dundee. Jim McIntyre. Jim McIntyre, well done. But you weren't playing tonight. Uh, and who's the current head coach of Scotland 21s? It is Scott Gamble. You both got it, but it wasn't enough for you, I'm afraid, Gary. The old fella has pipped you tonight. Unlucky. Oh, well, give you something tonight, Huey. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just delighted because we're giving away too many signed balls. Honestly, yeah. almost going bankrupt in here the moment we're giving away. So well done to you, Hugh Keevens. Uh, 01419511025. Keep those memories and tributes coming in. To the great Billy McNeil Who sadly passed away today Not much else matters On a day like this I'm sure yeah. you'll agree But let's go and speak to Andrew McLean Ahead of a big game In the Championship tonight Hi Andrew Yeah hi First of all It's great to hear The, the tributes pouring in For, for Billy McNeil and, and rightly so Both teams here Paid their respects On Twitter To the great man Ahead of what is a massive game Tonight for Partick Thistle They sit just two points Off bottom in the table With three left to play There's actually just six points Separating the bottom six But the advantage That the Jags have That this is their game in hand On the rest of the teams Around them So a win here That would be a massive step Towards avoiding that Automatic relegation spot That Falkirk currently sit in As for Ayr It's been a fantastic season For them hasn't it uh, Promoted at the end Of last season To the championship And they've already secured That spot in the play as for team news, it's a 4-3-3 for the home side. Ross Doohan starts in goal. It's a back four of Liam Smith, Aaron Muirhead, Michael Rose and Daniel Harvey. It's a midfield three of Andy Murdoch, Mark Kerr and Robbie Crawford with Calvin Miller and Nicky Cadden either side of Michael Moffat. The substitutes, Hare Reid, Forrest, McDade, Ekrapont, McCowan and Gegan. As for the Jags, Jamie Stedden starts in goal. It's a back four of Christy Elliott, Stephen Anderson, Sean McGinty and James Penrice. The two holding midfielders, Shea Gordon and Stuart Bannigan, Aidan Fitzpatrick, Gary Harkins and Joe Cardle are behind the lone striker, Scott McDonald. The substitutes, Hazard, Spittle, Doolan, Slater, Story, Mansell and Saunders. The referee here tonight at some at Park is Alan Newlands. Nervy, nervy times for Partick Thistle, Hugh Evans. Oh yeah, uh, but if they are serious about survival, these are the games that you have to take something from, even a point. Air United, of course, Gordon, perhaps playing for the home advantage, if you mm-hmm. like, in, in in the playoffs. How much that matters to Ian McCall? I don't know. He would be best place to ask uh, to answer that question. So I think most people are probably looking at that fixture with an onus on Partick Thistle and what can they do at the bottom? Yeah, and I think uh, a few clubs will be looking at the result later on tonight because if Partick do win that, Gordon, pick up the three points, then they bring a few clubs right into the mix. You know, Cooney South are down there struggling as well. Falkirk in real trouble. Um, Alloa, um, you know, the only part-time team in the league. Um, so there'll be a few teams really looking at that result mm-hmm. tonight and probably hoping... The area need to go home win It's a lovely night For a game of football It must be said mm. So we hope you enjoy that one If you're off to it If you've any thoughts on it Get them into us 01419511025 Air United uh, Up against Partick Thistle Now When I said it was a lovely night Hugh I didn't take a chance I turned to my right And I looked out The one Solitary Small Window That yes. we have here in the studio Yes um, It's sort of tinted So you don't get the best View of The the, the car park But what I can see Is the Radio Clyde car park Yes Stretched out in front of me And that actually Has a bit of significance You bet for, it does on, on the sad day that, that Billy McNeil passed away When Billy left For Man City And then Aston Villa uh, I was on The programme then And People who called in Used to say Our manager in Manchester You know, never mentioned them by name 
they, they were angry at the way Celtic uh, and Billy had parted company and they used to begin conversations with it's about our manager in Manchester he was always regarded as the rightful manager of Celtic who was in the wrong country in 87 Celtic were looking at the start of the the approach the run up to their centenary year of 1888 uh, Billy was up in Glasgow uh at a function and he stayed with his great pal Mick Jackson who was a former Celtic player uh, and let me say in the passing a tremendous friend to Billy McNeil when Billy's illness struck uh, Mick was never far from his side and was an immense help to the McNeil family anyway he stayed at Mick's house and got a call and was asked to meet Jack McGinn who was then the Celtic chairman and the place they chose was the Radio Clyde car park. They were simply trying to be unobtrusive and keep out of the way. So they get out of the city centre, came here, sat in the car park. And Davy Hay was the Celtic manager at the time. And Billy said, yes, he would like to come back to be Celtic manager, but he wanted the handling of the Davy Hay situation to be nothing to do with him and for the club to take care of business there. Which they did Billy come back In time for the centenary year Now for a club like Celtic The centenary year is of tremendous significance There's a high emotional intensity about it all But Billy went on Won the league And with 10 seconds of the cup final remaining Having been a goal down to Dundee United Celtic got the winning goal through Frank McAvenny With 10 seconds remaining That was what Billy did I love learning from you on nights like this because I've always thought that was just the most boring, insignificant car <laughs> park in the world and I didn't know that until I came in tonight. I've driven into it hundreds of times and I didn't know that until Jack, tonight. Jack McGinn, uh, thankfully still with us and you know the grandfather of John McGinn and Paul and Stephen. Uh, Jack was from Dumbarton, which isn't far down the road. And so our car park... Became the scene of the talk. <laughs> did you actually see them, Hugh, or did you just no, hear the story? I, 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 I often said to Billy, How did you manage to sit there? None of us noticed you. <laughs> uh, but as you can see for yourself, you know, the, 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 the car park stretches round to the back of the building. Mm-hmm. And if you go out the front door, you're blissfully unaware of who's at the back of the building. Uh, and so Jack McGinn and Billy McNeil uh, got together, and as they say, the rest was history What type of manager was he Gordon? Strong, very strong uh, Strong willed But I said earlier Gordon He was very very fair And the one thing I liked about him It was it was the same with When I started out my career with John Gregg Two legends of Scottish football Both get statues outside their clubs The one thing I'll say about Billy McNeil He would come in He would absolutely roast you If he had to And let me tell you you sat there and you did not answer back. You just kept your head down, took your punishment, took your medicine. But the minute he walked out that door, if you walked out five minutes after, chapped his door and said, Gaffer, I need a bit of help here, I need a favour, blah, 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 he would run from here to hell to help you. Mm. That was the kind of guy he was. What do you remember about, about the manager then, Hugh? Because it goes without saying, when you've lifted the European Cup, that that's the pinnacle. Yeah. Everything else is... Below that yeah. um, But those achievements Were great as well But naturally They, they do come below that Because how, how could they not w- What do you remember Of the, the management side of it 
Bravery Because Who would take on The job of succeeding Jockstein The hardest of all acts To follow if you're at Celtic He took it on And Midway through his first season It was not going terribly well uh, And then uh, There was a game at Tynecastle Celtic lost it 2-1 And I remember innocently Asking him at the end of the the main, main press conference Did you get any injuries? How would I get any injuries? He said How would they injure themselves? Coming out the bath? That was his way of decrying his own team's performance The following week He signed Murdoch McLeod And Davy Proven And the season turned And Celtic won the league By beating Rangers at Celtic Park In Celtic's final game of the season They were down to 10 men The late Johnny Doyle was sent off And... Celtic won the game 4-2 Now as I said earlier on Billy McNeil loved the institution that was Celtic But he didn't hate Rangers But he didn't like losing to Rangers <laughs> let, it, let it be said You know, In 1983 before he left for England uh, Celtic and Dundee United Were going together for the mm-hmm. title And on the final day Dundee United won the title Celtic had gone Two down to Rangers at Ibrox And scored four goals Won the match 4-2 And he came into his press conference Billy and said See if you're going to lose a league title That's the way to use it, lose it So uh, You know He loved Beating Rangers As Rangers As John Gregg would love Beating Celtic But There was no animosity The two men had Deep mutual respect for one mm. another Let's speak to Brendan and Carlton Hi Brendan Hi guys How we doing? Uh, you brilliant stories as ever, mate. You know, you done Tommy Burns proud, and you're doing the big fella proud as well. Your stories are just fantastic. Um, I've just returned from the stadium the other now. I took my my six year old, my three year old down. Um, they took them down. They put down their, their one of their first the boys' first Celtic kits. Um, you know, they put that down at a tribute. They were there representing their granddads who sadly aren't with us anymore. But you know, they were great Celtic men as well. So you know, they, they'll remember that in years to come. But the story I've got about Billy was um, when Billy had the pub over in, in Victoria Road, or just off Victoria Road, and <coughs> there was a quiet night in the pub. You know, I was not there, but there was a quiet night in the pub, and, you know, Billy's turned around and said to there's maybe seven or eight regulars in, and they turned around and said to the, the barmaid, give me 20 quid at that till, and he was going to get everybody a bag of chips, you know, or whatever, you know, just to, to keep them keep them in the pub, probably, you know. So he goes round and he's around, and nod him, you know, the first guy, second guy, and so on. And then he got to this one guy and he said, nah, I'm fine. He said, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. He went, no, no, said, I'm fine, I'm fine. He said, no, seriously, I'm fine. Why, why do you not want something? And the guy says, because the last time you went to the shops, big fella, you came back with Martin Hayes. You know, they just fell about the pub. You know, yeah. and that was just, you know, so, nah, a great, great guy. Met him a few times, you know, and, you know, as, as everybody said beforehand, he was... Mm. It just it made you feel at such ease. Brendan, know? how would you describe the the, the, the moods, the, the atmosphere, the emotions down at, at the stadium today? Um, it was it was I was down sort of on my way home from work. Um, there was a, a lot more folk there now because there was um, obviously people coming home for their work and stuff and all, and people going down with their kids and whatnot. Um, it was just the, the people, a lot of people standing about. You know, there was some some emotion. You know, um, you know, as I say, but just people standing, exchanging stories. You know, and just just talking about different things. You know, there was the Rangers fan went over and put down a bunch of flowers. He got sort of around the applause. You know, it's good to see. You know, that's what it should be about. Um, and nah, just a 
looking forward to Saturday. Saturday's going to be something special, you know. So yeah, I think Brendan that Saturday will be a tumultuous recognition of Billy McNeil's contribution to Celtic. The sun will be shining. Sixty thousand people will be there. There will be banners. There will be songs. And that's the way Liz McNeil and the McNeil family want it. They have issued a statement today to say they want Billy's extraordinary life to be remembered in stories and in songs. And at Celtic Park on Saturday, that will certainly be the case. And that shouldn't be a source of intimidation to the Celtic players. It should be a source of inspiration. It should be for Scott Brown to wear the captain's armband and remember what Billy McNeil did while he was wearing the captain's armband. Uh, yeah, it will be a terrific day, Brendan. Yeah, I'm I'm going along for Super Scoreboard, and um, as Hugh says, I think it'll be unbelievable, Gordon. Because the one thing is, Celtic Caro family, Billy McNeil was a massive part of that family, and uh, I'm sure everybody will be along there to remember Billy and the great. And and we could go on here all night about stories. Every time that. I'm listening to Hugh, I'm thinking of other things that you just pop in your mind that, that Billy used to do or he would come uh, and say something to you or you just different. And, and I remember travelling from London with him. Uh, it was after my first game. We come back up to Scotland. I signed the Thursday and he had his car waiting at Stamford Bridge and he was coming back up as well. And you wouldn't have this now because managers wouldn't travel with you or anything like that. Popped me in the car, in the front, right, fasten the safety belt, all the way up, and it was just non-stop stories about, and it was always Celtic. Yeah. It was always, and it was all about the other players and, and how he loved it. So his, his love for the club's incredible. 0141 Thank you to Brendan and Carntine. We've got Joe waiting on the line. We'll speak to him soon. And don't think you're getting off with your full-time teaser because we'll put you through, t- you two through your paces next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Great results for Scottish accident and injury victims for 40 years. Hugh Evans and Gordon DL are here. It's plenty of time left to take your calls and read your tweets, so get them in at Clyde SSB. It's the usual number, 0141 uh, on the phones. Right, tonight's full-time teaser, because we're still going to do that, that's been sent in by Daniel Kent. And the usual rules apply If there's anything up with the question You blame Daniel You don't blame me That's yeah, qu- yeah. It's quite simple So here we go Straightforward enough I think Since 2009-2010 Six players Have won the Scottish Cup With a previous club But are yet to win it With their current club oh. Now they're all in the top six Okay mm-hmm. So Since 2009-2010 Six players uh-huh. have won the Scottish Cup with their previous club, but are yet to win it with their current club. Graham Shinney. And currently they all play in the top six. Yeah, Shinney and Vernetta. Guys like Graham, Graham Shinney. Shinney. Well done, Hugh Keevens. Great, Hugh. Gordon will get that question in about 15 minutes' time, so if you could just lead off. I'm thinking he'll come back in tomorrow night, show. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Shinney is one yeah, of the five I've, left I've to go. I've got the question, I've got the question. You sure? Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. usually say that and then you ask no, me? No, 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 no. I'm right on the ball. All the players are with clubs currently in the top six, is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So since 2009 2010, six players have won the Scottish Cup with their previous club, but they've not yet won it with their current club, and they're all in the top six at the moment. 
Okay 01419511025 That's the number You need loads Coming in on Twitter Chris Boyd um, No Not since 2009-10 There's oh. your problem with him So no Alright Great Great effort uh, Douglas Harper's An Air United fan Fans of all clubs Getting in touch A sad sad day For world football A true legend of the game And will never Be forgotten The legend lives on Through the history books R.I.P Billy thoughts go to the family um, And all the Celtic fans Hugh I asked you At the start of the show To tell us about the first time You ever met Billy McNeil uh-huh. Now everyone knows He Struggled with illness mm. In recent years I'm wondering if you can recall The last time You I met can. him The I- last time you saw him I can't exactly It was in the number 7 restaurant uh, At Celtic Park on a match day uh, And uh, He came in Billy uh, Supported by Liz, his wife And by a great friend of his And a wonderful man Benny Rooney Who Gordon has told me Signed him for Yeah, party thistle, yes yeah. Benny and uh, Billy went back to the earliest days at Celtic Park. Benny was a young player at Celtic, moved on to St Johnston, had a career there. Uh, And I went over immediately, hadn't seen Benny for a while, uh, and it's always nice to see Liz McNeil, a very special person. Uh, But sadly, the illness had taken its hold of Billy by then. And uh, recognition was not there And throughout the course of the day I watched the way in which Liz McNeil Showered love, care and attention on her husband Uh, They were a terrific couple And if ever anyone deserves Immense credit on this particular day And deserves to be held in people's thoughts It is Liz McNeil because she and her husband shared decades of a wonderful marriage, Mm -hmm. brought children and many grandchildren into the world Uh, and they were sometimes troubled by problems. Billy had a a business which through no fault of his uh, endured difficult times. They had to sell one home, move to a smaller home. They had... The trials and tribulations of family life But in good times or in bad Liz McNeil was always there uh, with Billy And that day I was just reminded of Her very special quality uh, Joe is in Paisley, hi Joe Hi there, how are you gentlemen, good evening good, First of all my thoughts and prayers go out to the McNeil family Tonight and their sad loss, the sad loss of Billy McNeil I've got a memory of Billy seven years ago. I was out in Rootin' Glen Park with my three-year-old daughter and Mr McNeil and his wife came out of Rootin' Glen Park and I says, oh, there's Billy McNeil to my wife and she went, oh, all right, okay. I says, oh, can we get a picture with the kid? And I shout at Mr McNeil. And he didn't hear me and his wife turned around and she says, oh, hold on, hold on, Bill, there's somebody to see you. I says, Mr McNeil, I'm really sorry to bother you. I said, okay, if I get a picture, or not me, my daughter gets a picture with you. He says, come on, neighbour, come on, you get your picture. Are you sure your it wasn't again. for you, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. I've already got mine with mine with him in the European Cup, so I'm all right. I've mine just settled. <laughs> so it was for my daughter, and he says, if it wasn't for people like you asking people for me to get 40s, I wouldn't be who I was. Now, to hear that coming from a guy of stature, I believe me, you know, I think quite humbling. 
Absolutely. It's like uh, I always said of Tommy Burns. Tommy Burns loved every Celtic fan on an individual basis. He didn't love them in blocks of 100 or 1,000 or by a stand. He loved every Celtic supporter on an individual basis and Big Billy was exactly the same. Uh, Gordon Deal, mm. Hugh was talking about the, the family, Billy's wife, mm. um, and I bet she was she roped into making sure you were... Keeping an eye, I, I, keeping an eye on things. I am not just. I am not just saying this, Gordon. I played under a few managers, and you will probably back me up in this. I've not got a great memory for names. You don't know. You're absolutely uh, horrendous. And, and faces, and all the managers I've ever played under. Uh, I don't know any of their wives, girlfriends, <laughs> or whatever it may be, but I knew Liz McNeil because when I went down to Manchester as a young kid. Uh, she took time out to try and help me Settle in You know, tried to do everything she possibly could They were just united together And every time As I say, I lived not too far from Billy Every time I was up the shopping centre Newton Mearns Billy was always there Liz was always by his side Always stopped, always had a chat Terrific people terrific. Is, is that what makes Part of this so special, Joe, because your memory that you've just shared with us there, we, we maybe we're getting to the end of a generation where you have not these legends walking amongst us in the street. A lot's changed. I don't want to get too political about it, but you know, you could bump into them in the park. You could bump into them in the street. You get to share these memories. Maybe, maybe, maybe those days are, are coming to an end, and that's what makes it even more sad. I think that's probably right. You probably had it right in the head. You've got footballers now, and. Absolute fortunes They've got their big flashy cars And they don't They hardly even stop When they're coming out of the ground To sign things They just like zoom away And zoom away Here was a guy In the middle of Root and Glen Park Who As you say And everybody else Has held that big cup aloft And he'd time to stop And say Come on get the pictures With your Uncle Billy I go back to the 6th of January 1970 Joe Now As I've said I started In newspapers The day before 24 hours earlier and I was sent out to interview Billy McNeil Two and a half years earlier He had won the European Cup in Lisbon Now he, you know, he was so kind uh, And so helpful uh, And uh, you, you go back and think Wow you know, They always say you should never meet your heroes However There was a man Who filled you full of awe and admiration At the same time And as the years went by it would develop into, oh, here he comes, we Hughie Stevens, <laughs> we Partick boy, who are you getting into trouble today? And, you know, it it just became a friendship. Did uh, you ever have your run-ins? I, I'm sure over the years there must have been, but as I say, Billy had certain ways about him and uh, when, he, when he lost the game to Rangers, he wasn't in the best of moods. And there was a... a, a Infamous or famous night in London When it, it got to fisticuffs With another reporter Now Billy McNeil was The nicest of people And he bitterly regretted What happened And the following day He was full of remorse And tried his very best To to smooth things over There had been a, an exchange of words And then What happened happened Outside uh, But That wasn't Billy McNeil's character He wasn't a, a man of violence This was a nice nice man Who was upset by uh, The turn that the conversation had taken So he wasn't a saint 
Never claimed to be a saint But he was a man of ordinary everyday human flaws And what happened happened But he was a truly great man Robertson Stevenson, hi Robert Oh hi there, I just um, a wee story about uh, Well, first of all condolences to his wife and his family And I'll keep them in repairs But um, um I met Billy in um, Las Vegas uh, when I was over there for a Celtic convention. Uh, but just before that, when my family was emigrating from Scotland in 1965 to Canada, and Celtic were playing Dunfermline on a Saturday, and my brother Edward was with me. And um, that was the first time we'd, we'd seen Celtic win a cup. Um, and if Billy McNeil hadn't have scored that goal uh, late on in the game, we... <laughs> We'd be, we'd be, we would be on a boat uh, from Greenock to Montreal and when the game, if it's a replay taking place, we'd have been 300 miles um, west of Ireland but um, Bully got the goal and um, that let us see a cup final uh, Now, when I, when I was over in Canada again, um, I went to uh, the Celtic Convention in Las Vegas a good few years ago, me and my brother and, uh, and my son and we met Billy again and um, spoke to him and told him about that story and he just laughed and he was brilliant to talk to very good, give you his time and then the next day in Las Vegas when I met him again with my son and he started asking my son Jared about um, what he was doing and um, he was at university and all that, studying languages and all that stuff and um, he spoke uh, nicely to him but he was really um, um, just a brilliant guy, and like that other chap that's seen him in Rooking Glen. I seen him as well in Rooking Glen about two years ago with my granddaughter, and he wasn't very well, and um, it was really very, very sad um, to see him uh, like that. But now he's at rest, he's at peace, and um, his wife's a lovely person, and. Uh, She's looked after them. Everything she said about them is true. Because uh, when I first came back from Canada, I said in Marywood Square and stuff, Bungo and his wife had a dancing school across just from where I lived. Uh, so she's a lovely person. And uh, she was that day at Turkin Glen with them and her daughters. And um, she was very supportive of them, very looking after them. And she's a brilliant person. But... Um, well, can I tell you, following on from, from Robert's call here and every other call we've had and every tweet we're getting in, something that I think speaks volumes for the man is the fact that every single person who's had, been fortunate enough to have an encounter remembers every single bit of it, yeah. every last detail, with good reason. You, you just don't let go of memories like that. No. Um, as I say, there is a cliche that you should never meet your heroes. But Billy McNeil destroyed that cliche because... If you met Billy, you had his undivided attention. If you said that you were a Rangers supporter, then Billy would still give you his undivided attention and you could have a laugh about the rivalry. Some people transcend the rivalry. Billy McNeil did so, and so does John Gregg. They are two iconic figures on both sides of what can be a bitter divide, but they were bigger than that. Speaking of which, John is a Rangers fan in Blantyre. Hi, John. Hi, hi, Pyle. Hi, John. Uh, hi, uh, it was just to basically pass on my condolences to Billy McNeil uh, as a Rangers fan. 
Um, and also, and a, and plus side of things, um, I look, I've noticed on social media today, not 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 one person rivalries put aside, as you said earlier there, but um, a true gent, and I think Glasgow could hold its head up high. Too many times we we, we get beat we get beat up with with the troubles and all the rest, and I just wish it could be a wee bit more like us. Ninety uh, percent of the time, I know we I know we need more rivalry, um, but it's good to see the old firm coming together today, putting my differences aside. Um, for a true gent, and I just wish it could be done more often. Yeah. Um, and I think we should get. I think I know Shug is won the goldfish bowl in Glasgow and all that, but I think we can really hold with head side the day. We've came together as a community as Glasgow for one true gent. Absolutely, uh, and that is right and proper. Uh, and I thank every Ranger supporter who got in touch on social media or on Super Scoreboard tonight because, as you say, that's the way it should be. Yeah, because that, that, that's the thing. John makes a very good point, Hugh, about the, the rivalry. When it's harnessed in the right way, it is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And there's been a lot of times recently in the last couple of weeks, maybe we have been a bit bogged down in the unsavoury side of it. Yeah. But when we harness that rivalry, it's... It's spectacular When Billy played And uh, John Gregg played For Rangers and Celtic They were great players When you think that When Celtic won Nine in a row Rangers won a European trophy In the midst of that A European trophy (laughs) They couldn't win The championship In their own country But they won a European trophy In 1972 While Celtic were Getting their Nine in a row Uh, And when Billy Was manager of Celtic He had Epic games against Rangers as manager His first league title as I said Won at Celtic Park on a Monday night When television was on strike And you can only get grainy footage of it now But uh, Celtic won 4-2 And Billy dearly loved those encounters And those collisions with John Gregg As player and manager Uh, He respected the old firm rivalry for what it was yeah, and it's incredible just listening to the stories, Hugh. You obviously knew Billy a lot longer than I did. And I was very fortunate in my football career. You talk about two legends of the game there, John Gregg and Billy McNeil. I was very fortunate to play under both of them. Yeah. Uh, they probably don't think the same thing, <laughs> um, if I'm honest. But the, it's not just what they bring to football, it's the characters of the people and... You work with them day in and day out. You see everything about them. You see their strengths. You see what they're all about. It was just, it was a learning curve for a, for a young guy like me going into football and having the privilege mm. to even be in the same dressing room as mm. these people. Since 2009-10, six players have won the Scottish Cup with their previous club, but are yet to win it with their current club, and they're all in the top six. Guys like Graham Shinney. Stevie May. Yes Naismith No he was before 2009 What about Steve McLean Yes Halfway there Dazzler I'll take one more guess from you Um, I'm I'm going to throw a silly one in Chris Burke No Would you believe Alright we'll leave that there Listen to this This is one for you Hugh Keevans Right up your street Clyde one supporting the men's 10k In Glasgow no, I'll go, by, so. I'll go by taxi Alright, <laughs> Men's 10K Glasgow It's taking place this Father's Day Sunday the 16th of June 
well, listen, what a great route. You can take in the sights, start at the Riverside Museum, finish at George Square. I mean, you might be out of breath along the way, but mm. nevertheless, you'll get to enjoy the sights, become fitter, healthier, happier, have a good day out. The men's 10k uh, Glasgow now for the chance to win free entry and a VIP package, including a £100 run for it gift card. Go to Clyde1.com. We'll get the rest of the answers on the teaser next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Get the result you deserve. Talk to Thompson's.com. We're into the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Gordon DL and Hugh Keevens are here. They're tackling tonight's full time teaser sent in by Daniel Kent to full time at Clyde One. So if you've got a good question And you'd like to hear it on the show That's where you need to send it Fulltime at Clyde1.com Since 2009-10 Six players have won the Scottish Cup With a previous club But are yet to win it With their current club And they're all in the top six So guys like Graham Shinney Won it with Inverness Hasn't won it with Aberdeen In the top six Stevie May and Stephen McLean Won it with St Johnson Haven't won it with Aberdeen and Hearts In the top six Three to go Oh, did we get? Ah, oh, we got McLean and me, didn't we? Broadfoot? Nope. Ryan Jack? Nope. Mm. What? Are you, is one a Rangers? Just give me an odd. No. No Rangers? No. All right, don't give me an odd. <laughs> oh my God. Where's Roger Hanna when you need him? We're struggling. Okay. There's a goalkeeper in there goal. That's the hardest one I would say There's one that's a bit more obvious Because Who says that their current club Is not Celtic You're thinking about this the other way round I would suggest You know you've been giving me Broadfoot and Burke And things like that Guys that uh, You think previous You know See I thought it Johnny Hayes But it's not No but you're getting warmer Christie Yes Get in there Ryan Christie won it with Inverness Right, yeah. two to go. Let's speak to Laurie and Denison. Hi, Laurie. Panel, good evening. Hi, Laurie. Uh, you know, unlike uh, Hugh and Gordon, I never had the privilege of meeting Billy McNeil. Uh, but as a Celtic fan, I feel as if part of my youth has been wrenched away today. Uh, he was a guy uh, who I grew up with. Uh, and uh, I suppose I feel in a similar fashion to... Fans who were bereft when Elvis Presley died way back in 1977. I, it's often said that in football terminology, no one is irreplaceable. But I think that when speaking of Billy McNeil, you can rip the script up. He was irreplaceable. My own abiding memory of Billy McNeil uh, was after the Scottish Cup final in 1975. And I was in attendance at Hamden Park that day, and it was the last game he ever played for Celtic. And I remember uh, watching the highlights uh, later that night, and I think, uh, Hugh, you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, being of a similar vintage to myself. I think it was the late Alec Cameron. It was. Uh, who interviewed him. Yeah. And uh, Billy announced uh, unexpectedly that was his last game uh, for Celtic. And I remember Johannes Edvalsson replaced them the following season. And thereafter, there were players like Roddy McDonald, Paul Elliott, etc., through the years. But uh, no one, uh, for many, many years, ever succeeded in replacing Billy McNeil. 
in the eyes of the Celtic fans. And that's my overriding memory of Billy McNeil this evening. You're quite right. It was Alec Cameron, uh, then of the Daily Record, the late Alec Cameron, chiefy as we knew him in the business, uh, who was doing the pitch side interviews and he was startled when Billy said, that's it, I'm finished. And Billy didn't make many mistakes in his football life, but that was one, I think. He retired too early. There was still another couple of years in Billy, I always felt. Uh, but he took his decision and uh, all throughout his life thereafter in management. Management, as Gordon DL knows, is about being decisive, making decisions, standing or falling by those decisions. And I suppose he went out on top. He had won the first trophy for Celtic in 65 Scottish Cup final at Hamden. He went out after a Scottish Cup final win in 1975 at Hamden. In between... He had assembled nine league titles in a row and the European Cup. That's what you call a CV. I mean, Airdrie South has tweeted us in at Clyde SSB, who still got my ticket stub from Big Billy's testimonial 1974. Wow. And he sent the picture, Celtic v Liverpool, right enough, Billy McNeil testimonial, Celtic Park, Monday the 12th of August, 1974, 8pm yeah. kickoff. The price? 1984. 74. 74? Oh, Hugh. Um, two pounds, forty pence. Oh wow! <laughs> Value for money. Hope you had a good night out. Uh, thank you, Laurie. A lovely tribute from Laurie on the line. Let's do Joe and Carntine as well. Hi, Joe. Yes. How we doing, guys? Hi, Joe. Uh, it was just a wee comment. I, I missed the start of the show. I know we're running out of time, and it was I missed Billy's playing career. I started going to watch Celtic in about eighty six, eighty seven, the year before we won the uh, centenary double, and. Uh, I knew all the history, obviously, about him being, coming from a Celtic family and everything else. And he was tremendous, a big guy. But the one time I did meet him was only a couple of years ago. And I worked for a removal company. And we'd done his last move for his wee house in Newton Mernst, his new wee flat. And uh, the family were unbelievable. His wife was. There was a few years here, the guys there, there was about four or five years in the house. And they brought us in, made, made us welcome. Sat had a cup of tea, a bit of toast and cheese. We... His wife and his daughters, and then Billy made a wee appearance. He came in, he wasn't feeling too great, but he came in and he spoke to us. We had a couple of wee words and all that, and it was fantastic. I, I tell everybody, I tell all my friends, and all that, I'd be done for my meals, this and that. Mate, Billy McNeil sat and had a yeah, cup of tea and toast and cheese with his family and all that, and they were fantastic. My condolences go out to them all, and uh, well, what a great guy. And at the end, once we were finished, his wife listened, they gave us a couple of wee gifts and that, and one. The one that I got was a Billy McNeil book signed by Billy. Yeah. And who did I give it to? I gave it to my father, who grew up watching him, and he was over the moon without me present. So he was. Well, the, the, yeah. the funny thing. It's going to be, sorry. No, carry on, Joe. Finish off, Joe. Uh, and it'd be a sad loss to the game. Sad loss to the game. What a man he was. No wonder they called him Caesar. The funny thing, Joe mentions the book. Uh, written by an, an old pal of mine, Jim Black. Uh, you know, my son-in-law, who, as I say, involuntarily bowed towards Billy in Seville in 2003, uh, I, I brought down a copy of the book with me today just to be quite sure of the real stats about how many league titles he had won as a player and manager and so forth. And it wasn't until I looked at the, the book properly that it, it, it says 
to Martin. Best wishes, Billy McNeil. So I'm sorry, Martin, I've got your book for some reason, <laughs> but I, I promise to return it because I know it'll be very important. And uh, and I do know that Billy McNeil, nine league titles, seven Scottish Cups, six League Cups, and one European Cup, twenty three mm. trophies as a Celtic player. That's a CV Joe that was a lovely memory I really liked that That was great Hearing uh, The emotion in your voice It clearly something That means a lot Not only to you But with regards to the relationship With your own father as well So thanks for sharing that With us Joe In Carntine It seems like a Fitting note To end it on um, Apart from you two Dafty's trying to come yeah. up With the answers to the teaser So you've got two to go Six players have won The Scottish Cup With a previous club They're yet to win it With their current club And they're in the top six Right Graham Shinney, Ryan Christie, Stevie McLean, Stevie May. Two to go. Now, goalkeeper, Scott Bain? Nope. It's a tough one. Samson. Because he's not... Craig no. Who does he play for in the top six? Oh, he's away, Um He's not even oh. the first choice goalkeeper at the moment. That's what's Cammy tough Bale. No, but uh, you're sort of there and thereabouts with the club or previous clubs. McDonald. Jamie McDonald. Jamie oh. McDonald, well done. So won it with I'm Hearts going, I'm going and Zat Kilmarnock. Right, I'll go for a guess. Was this player, did he play with Celtic when he won the cup? He did. McGinn. Niall McGinn. McGinn, well done. Wow. You have got it in record time. I'm glad we wrapped that up early because I wanted to leave a bit of space, Hugh Keevans, for you to pay one final tribute for tonight um, to Billy McNeil. You've got as long as you want, sort of, within reason. Take it away The man who said There was a fairy tale Aspect Attached to Celtic Football Club Was the man who wrote Most of the fairy tales The man who Brought about the modern day Celtic In 1965 When Jock Steen's team Beat Dunfermline And Billy McNeil scored The winning goal The man who Won the European Cup Brought it to Celtic 52 years ago And Won nine in a row And Put together so many achievements as Celtic manager The centenary year double Immortality is a word Gordon that's bandied about But Billy McNeil is an immortal in Celtic's history And when the Celtic fans go to the game against Kilmarnock at the weekend I know that they will bring alive their respect for Billy McNeil And when the final is played against Hearts on the 25th of May I know the Celtic supporters will regard that as the Billy McNeil final. Much missed. Good night, Billy. Thank you, Hugh Evans uh, and Gordon DL. Thank you so much for all your tributes on the phone and on Twitter. It has been a sad day, but out of that sadness has given us the chance to produce some happy memories and try, although it's difficult, to pay tribute to the great man. So I think you'll agree, Hugh Evans and Gordon DL have done it justice. Hugh wants to apologise for everyone who's tweeting in saying that they're crying because of you. Um, but we will be back tomorrow night with Jim Duffy and Mark Guidi. Until then, Callum Gallagher is up next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Compensation. They know the score. Talk to thompsons.com.